Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Back with you again in Rome. I am here for a limited period of time, staying for about a year. And Tiffany, how long have you been here? Uh, Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. So we're getting together to talk about what it's like to live abroad for a short time and a long time. And uh, I don't know if you can hear that, but they're setting up the pizza tables outside my window. That's something I don't usually hear uh, back at home. Are you used to sounds like that? People scraping tables in and out? And I think I've gotten completely used to it because I remember the, the apartment where I live now. I feel like I used to be kept awake until very late when they would move the tables inside at the end of the night. But I don't hear it anymore. Yeah, it's a very loud city, uh, the city. And uh, this is the first time that I will have celebrated all three major American holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas in a foreign country. That's so there you go. Deal. Very, very big deal. Mm-hmm. It would be a bigger deal if people in Rome actually celebrated uh, more than one of those holidays. Well, no, they're starting to celebrate Halloween. They are starting. I've seen it in the past 10 years. More, m- Many more people celebrate Halloween than they used to. But uh, Thanksgiving, no. They, they know what it is, but obviously it's an American holiday. Well, what evidence do you see that they're celebrating Halloween? Besides the fact that there's occasionally a cookie shaped like a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> well, that's proof, just that. <laughs> they don't have cookies shaped like turkeys at Thanksgiving. That's true. But no, my, uh, one of my friends has a daughter in, uh, in preschool, and they celebrated Halloween at her preschool. Although she was the only child dressed in a non-frightening costume. Because, as you know, in America, you can dress as something scary, or you can dress as anything you want. But in Italy, that's what Carnival is for. And Carnivale, which is in, usually in February, that's when children dress up is whatever they feel like. And Halloween, their idea of Halloween is actually the original idea, which is you have to scare people. Dress only as zombies or mummies or vampires. So when you arrived, they weren't doing any of that? Almost none. Maybe only at an American pub, you know, some foreign place, a place where foreigners hung out, maybe in that case. But... I don't remember seeing it the way that I do now. So I definitely didn't see any cookies shaped like ghosts. Hmm. I wonder what the turning point was there. That's a good, good question. We'll have to look yeah. that up. <laughs> well, and then, of course, there's Christmas, the big holiday. What do you like about the way Italians celebrate Christmas? My favorite thing is that they don't start celebrating Christmas in October, <laughs> as they do in America. So you actually get just enough of the holiday flavor to be enjoyable you don't get sick of it in america by december 1st you're already sick of christmas because you've been hearing christmas music for a month and a half that's my number one thing most italians put up their christmas tree on december 8th on the feast of the immaculate conception that's the traditional thing to do although some people start as early as december 1st but generally not before december 1st i also like the importance of the the nativity scene that's a very big part of Italian tradition because the nativity scene was born in Naples. Everyone has a nativity scene in their house. Until the last probably 10 years or maybe 20 years, I would say, it was much more common for an Italian to have a nativity scene than a Christmas tree. Now everyone, most everyone gets Christmas trees too. But uh, I think that having a nativity scene for an Italian is like having a Christmas tree for an American. Is there a nativity scene in any way different than our nativity scene back in the United States? Well, in essence, no. I mean, the central figures are all the same, except that 
in Italy, they tend to get very elaborate. So they tend to be two or three stories high. They're more like Christmas villages almost <laughs> than just a simple stall or stable. It's a diorama culture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of actually dislike the way that they have little anachronistic figures there, you know, dressed in Renaissance or six, 1600s costumes, which I don't quite get into. I want my nativity figures to look like they're living in the time of Christ. <laughs> but other than that, they're pretty much the same. So what do you have in yours? Okay, let's see. Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the three wise men, a shepherd, a peasant girl, a drummer boy, an angel, and of course, don't ever forget the ox and the donkey. They cannot be missed. Just the other day I asked you what it was about the ox and the donkey, because in Piazza Navona, there's a big Christmas festival, and in every booth around the square, you can buy little nativity figures. And if you just want your standard scene, where you just want to pay the cheapest amount possible and get your five figures, the figures you get are Mary, Joseph, the baby, and a donkey, and the ox. Mm -hmm. Where you think maybe you would get a shepherd or an angel or something like that. So I asked you, what's with the donkey and the ox? Well, the donkey and the ox keep Jesus warm. In the Middle Ages, or even more recently, you know, in the 1700s, 1800s, people who were living in, you know, very rural situations on farms and things like that, if they had animals living right outside their home, particularly ox and that kind of thing, cows, they would bring them inside during the winter, as long as it, were just, it was just one or two. They would bring them inside the home in the winter, not only so that the animal would stay warm, but because they would warm the house up. Their body heat would keep, keep the house warm. That's all I can think of. And I love how your husband makes them sit very close yes. to the baby Jesus. He moved them. I had set up the nativity scene, and I kind of put the animals in the background. And he said, no, they have to be right. At first, he put them in front of, of Joseph and Mary. And I said, wait a second. <laughs> put them behind Joseph and Mary, but still close. That's okay. It's got to keep the baby warm, Tiffany. Come on. Well, it's interesting because of the friends I've made here, the majority of them are from America, and most of them are here very temporarily. And we've been talking with them and, and found that in the lead up to the Christmas season, one of the things that they kept saying over and over and over again was, I'm just not in the mood yet. I'm just not in the mood yet. There was something missing about the way Italians did Christmas that was leaving a hole with the way that the Americans felt about the holiday. True for me and, and for, for Derek, my husband. Part of the problem, uh, I think for us, the Christmas trees here were ridiculously expensive. A tree smaller than the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Smaller. It was 10 euros. 10 euros. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, what, from your experience, do you think is missing for Americans when it comes to Christmas here? I think perhaps the excessive commercialism. I know that Italy is a commercial place, too. People here love their fashion and they love their, their cars. I'm not saying they're not materialistic people as well. But I don't think it's at the same level as America. You, you walk into an American shopping mall and you are inundated. It's like pure Christmas cheer being pumped into your veins. <laughs> there are giant Christmas ornaments hanging from the ceiling everywhere. Bing Crosby is singing from every corner. These amazingly beautiful, wonderful songs that just make you feel like you want to spend all your money on the people that you love. That's the genius of American marketing. They can make you believe that you want things that you don't need, that you need things that you don't need. I've experienced this whenever I go to the States. 
uh, especially if I'm in a place like Southern California where my sister lives, I walk down the street and I look in those shop windows and I, and I literally think to myself for a moment before I stop myself, I need that. I need that. I really need that because of the way it's presented to me. In Italy, they don't know how to market. You have to go out and look for stuff if you want to buy it. It doesn't just sort of happen upon you the way it does in the States. And I think that that whole sort of going shopping and having you know all that kind of excitement when you're thinking about the person and what when they're going to open your present and I mean I'm not saying that that's bad but uh but it is lacking here to that extent I mean people still do buy Christmas presents but I've noticed the average Italian family I mean at least from what I've seen with my husband's family they buy their children one present each even the small children if the child still believes in Santa Claus they usually get one present from Santa Claus hmm. and there's no stockings either uh, uh. That's the best part. <laughs> I know. I mean, actually, maybe other families have stockings. I don't know. But my husband's family don't use stockings. But the point is you get a very small number of Christmas presents, which is actually probably a smarter way to go about it with, as opposed to buying stuff that people are never going to use or just return. But I think that that sort of giddy feeling of being in a shopping mall and going all out and hearing Bing Crosby, and that, that is, I think, what is missing. Hmm. Yeah, that was what we were suspecting was that it was the commercialism. And then we thought, well, what kind of a commentary is that? I know. That it's the commercialism of the holiday that's making it so that you're not in the right spirit. That's a pretty sad statement. And hopefully, hopefully that's not entirely true. No, I'm, I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. But uh, I think maybe it just comes a little bit later. It comes maybe right before Christmas time, which is really, you know, when it should be. I mean, if you think about it, at least from a liturgical point of view, the lead up to Christmas, the Advent period, is supposed to be very reflective. And The idea wasn't to go to any parties pre-Christmas. You would only party after Christmas, and the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas, and they lead to Epiphany. So that was when the partying was happening, and the lead up was actually the sort of sober, reflective spirit. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're actually doing it right. <laughs> at last. Um, well, that's a good point. But I think it's other things that are missing, too, you can reflect on this also. It's it's the little tiny things that are missing that you traditionally do every year, whether it's be with your family or in the same city you've lived in for a period of time. For me, one of my big things is that I really like to go out late at night and walk around neighborhoods that are particularly decorated with uh, Christmas lights. And they do decorate the trees here, but because everybody's home is away from the street or up above the street, it's not the same where you're seeing one family has the giant nativity scene in the front yard, and the next family is Santa puked all over the house, you know? It, it, but I used to like to do those long walks and then watch it build over the month where it starts at just a few houses, and then as it gets closer, there's more and more and more, and I would go out every single night. That own personal tradition makes it seem different to me this year. And obviously it's different because I'm in Rome, but I don't know. Were there any traditions you had to let go by the wayside when you decided to move here? It's been so long, I almost can't remember. You've made all your own new traditions. I guess so. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You do make new traditions. And you guys could make a new tradition here that then you could take back to the States with you and do there, which would be really great. Well, we're trying to do that. What do you think it should be? Should the tradition we take home uh, be the, the thing about the witch? The Bafana. Could be. Could Tell be. us about the Bafana. I don't know the whole story, but Bafana is a good witch who brings children candy on the day of the Epiphany. This is somehow supposed to reflect 
the three wise men bringing presents to Jesus, although I'm not sure how the leap was made between three wise men and a witch. Your husband actually had an interesting theory on it. Yes. I can't quite remember what it was. Uh, it's something having to do with Italian, that Bifana means... Epiphany. Yeah. Bifana. Could be. No, but he said something else about how when the three wise men went looking for Jesus, they asked her to come, and she said no. I can't remember why. Yeah, she, yeah, she said that she didn't want to come. They came and stopped for directions, and uh, and they said, well, would you like to come along with us? And she had no interest in doing that. And then somewhere along the line, she starts to feel regretful that she didn't go. I think there's a flash of light in the night that sort of announces that this is something incredible. And she thinks, well, I should have gone. And so she gathers up these toys from her child who has died, I guess, that's in her house and decides she's going to go try to find the Christ child. But no matter how hard she looks, she can't find him. And so instead she passes out gifts to children along the way of the gifts she's trying to give to the Christ child. That's actually quite quite a pretty story. I like it. Is it? I like it. I like it. So you could take that tradition back. But in well, it, what would we do with that tradition? Does anybody actually dress up as her? Should I run around the neighborhood cackling and passing out gifts to children on Epiphany? No, but you could you could get stockings and cuz they I don't know if this is the original tradition or if this is how it's morphed. I said a moment ago that they don't use stockings, but it was actually quite not quite true. The truth is they use stockings, but they use them on Epiphany, and it's Bifana who brings the stuff, and it's only candy. It's candy if you're good. If you're bad, it's coal. And I've gotten coal before. From who? From an old roommate. <laughs> Real coal? Was, like the no, burning kind of coal? It, no, it was actually sugar-painted black to look like coal. <laughs> but the message came through. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you had to build the traditions over time. What's a what's a tradition that you and your husband have that you particularly like? I really like that we always have our nativity scene because a couple of years we ha- we haven't always had Christmas trees. Two years ago we didn't have one, but we always you know have our nativity scene. We get that out every year, so I think that's a great tradition. And I really like the food traditions in Italy. For example, on Christmas Eve. You eat a f- meal with seven different types of fish. That's the tradition anyway. My mother-in-law is a very good cook, so she generally goes all out. And we have cod and shrimp and fried sardines and pasta with clams. All sorts of different types of fish, and it's a, it's a great meal. Do you have any idea why? Why fish on Christmas Eve? I could be way off. This is a guess. With the idea of not eating meat. Uh, I mean, I know it's a Good Friday thing. And a Friday thing in general. But the only thing I could think of was it it was sort of maybe a remembrance of that in some way. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that would make sense to me. What does your mother think about the fact that you're never home for Christmas anymore? Let me ask this first before we get to your mother. Have you gone back since you moved here 10 years ago For for Christmas? Yes, I have. I have gone back twice, I think. So what does she think about the fact that she doesn't get to spend Christmas with you? Or that you don't get to spend Christmas with your niece and nephew? Well, as far as not being with her, I think she's used to it by now. It's been almost 10 years. and In fact, she loves it. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. No presents. Great. <laughs> no, I think she's used to it. I think she, obviously she misses me. I'm, I miss my family as a whole. I don't miss w- necessarily one person over another. But I have a very large family. It's a divided family. But I have a lot of sisters and stepbrothers and stepsisters and many, many nieces and nephews. I miss the whole family atmosphere. 
of being together, a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of little kids running around, amazing food, the music, the fireplace. I do miss that. I, I can't deny it. I really would like to take my husband back for Christmas. He's never come, so eventually we will do that. But it's it's difficult to organize. Yeah, that's another thing. There is no, um, we have no fireplace. We have no chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Although you can buy chestnuts in the street here. Yeah, I've never, I never ate a single chestnut roasted or not in the United States. And since I've been here, I have them every Christmas. Yeah, that's so true. I've tried making them See, too. There's a new, there is your new Christmas tradition. There is one of many new Christmas traditions. So from now on, when you're back in the States, you will roast chestnuts on Christmas, at least in a pan. Do you remember that in the first year, was it the same that we're going th- through that it, it's a challenge to not think of all the things that are missing or to try to infuse what other American Christmas film can we watch tonight, you know, where you're trying to pull all those traditions into a place that doesn't have them? It's kind of a question. <laughs> I I definitely did go through that, and I think my first Christmas here was exceptionally difficult because I was single as well. So I was not only living in a foreign country, I'd, only, I'd been here the same amount of time that you've been here now, about three months, and I was completely single, and I knew almost no one. I, I had a really hard time meeting people when I first moved here. So I had a couple of friends, and luckily they were also expats and didn't have family in town. So I, you know, I got this sort of sympathy invite. <laughs> and I ended up spending Christmas Eve with people that I did not know hardly at all. I, I think you just, in those situations, you just kind of, instead of dwelling on, oh, it's Christmas, what's everybody doing back home? You know, you think, okay, this is a day like any other. I'm doing something. It's not going to be the best Christmas of my life, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it for what it is. And next, next Christmas will be better. When you think back of the best Christmases in your life, have you had one of them in Italy? Yes, the very best Christmas. I, I had to think about that for a second. But the very best Christmas I had was in Italy. It was the day my husband proposed to me. Oh, he proposed on Christmas. Yes. I didn't remember that. Yeah, Bad well, friend. No, I probably never told you. Well, we actually, as coincidentally, told each other we loved each other for the first time on Christmas. Not the same one. Uh, but So Christmas was already special for us for that reason, which might be why he chose to ask me on Christmas. So I think it is pretty difficult to top that, even though it was a very simple proposal. I mean, there was, it was not an American style like jumbo jet or, you know, <laughs> jumbo screen or jumbo anything, really. I think that might be a stereotype. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Perhaps. But it was... Nevertheless, very wonderful, obviously. So I guess that that's got to be the best Christmas. Tell us what he did. Well, it's very it's very sappy. So bear with us, or or turn off the podcast. Claudio, my husband, we went together to mass on Christmas Day in the afternoon to the church where he had always gone as a boy, the church where he had been uh, an altar boy and where he had had his first communion and, and all of that. At the end of the mass, they were playing Silent Night, and everyone was going up to kiss the statue of baby Jesus, which is what they do here. Because here, you don't bring out baby Jesus until actually Christmas Eve. Technically, you should have the, the nativity scene empty, and then you bring out baby Jesus on Christmas Eve. Well, this was Christmas Day, and they had a doll the size of an actual baby. And everyone was going up to kiss the foot or the hand of baby Jesus. And he, he turned to me, and he said... This is the church where I 
grew up, this is where I had my first communion, where I was an altar boy. And that statue of the Madonna, and okay, this is, I was at the time a non-Catholic. So the idea of praying to a statue is still, to me, as a, someone raised Protestant, is a little bit odd. But he said that statue of Mary is where I said all my prayers as a little boy. And one thing that I prayed for, whether subconsciously or not, was to f- someday find the person that I was supposed to be with. And that's why I decided that I had to ask you here. That is so cute. Are you in the line to kiss the baby when this happens? No, we were still sitting down. Okay. <laughs> that's wonderful. So what was your response? Well, the truth is he didn't really give me time to answer. He said, you know, he's, he finally got to the end of the sentence and said, so this is where I've decided to ask you to marry me. And then he just sort of hugged me. And I thought, well, are you going to like actually <laughs> ask me? <laughs> and of course I said yes right away. And um, the interesting thing is that he gave me a ring that uh, was actually my own ring because I knew that I'm one of those people who, you know, I wouldn't trust anyone to pick out an engagement ring for me. I'm just too picky. So he knew this about me. And so I'd given him, I'd lent him a ring that had been my great, great grandmother's wedding ring that I sometimes wore around on a chain around my neck. I gave it to him when we first sort of mentioned that, you know, that we knew we were going in that direction. He said, oh, what am I going to do? I can't propose to you without an engagement ring. And I said, you know, just use this. If it turns out that you decide not to ask me, just make sure to give it back. <laughs> so th- he proposed to me with that ring. But what he didn't know was that the date of that ring, the date of the wedding that was inscribed on the inside of that ring was December 25th, 1861. So Christmas is a special day for you. Yeah, I think Chris- I think the actual holiday of Christmas is very special. The whole season around it, I think I agree with you. It, you don't get into it as much here as you do back in the States. There's no ramp up. There's no holiday leading to holiday leading to holiday. That's very true. Do they make a bigger deal about New Year's here? Mm, I think it would be about the same. The worst holiday of the year. The worst holiday ever, basically. (laughs) When you feel like you have to go out, because if you don't go out, you're a loser. Yeah. It's the same. All right, well, we have to leave it there. The next time we talk, I do want to get into the notion of um, homesickness, uh, which comes up during the holiday season when you're abroad for the first time i think a lot of people get homesick whether they're stationed overseas in a war zone or whether they're here like me for a year or here like you for 10 years so let's get into that next week shall we let's do it okay until then this is the bittersweet life i'm kitty sewell i'm tiffany parks We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com. Hey everyone, it's Katie in Rome. If you like the show, spread the word, tell a friend, and visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net.